0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And I need to tell you this, Chris. My Mother's Day was also brought to you by Zupan's Markets. I, I should say my wife's Mother's Day.
1: I went in and had an incredible gift bag put together and got some help by yeah. one of the women in the Macadam store. Yeah, flowers for someone for, taken care of. For a special person for Mother's Day. Yeah. It was nice to be able yep. to do I that. I did
0: all my meal. My girls came in with me and we picked out stuff to cook for mom and Good. it was awesome.
1: So, score. Yeah, absolutely score. Other thing that's a score...
0: Burgers are back, baby.
1: At the Breezeway in Lake Grove. Mm -hmm. they got three different things going on at their different stores. Thursdays from 11 to 7, they've got burgers in the Breezeway. And if you happen to be in Lake Oswego or you want to travel there for this. Yeah. Burger Friday and Macadam every Friday from 11.30 a.m. to 6. And uh, they got burgers, fries, great toppings, uh, weekly specials, and more.
0: Other thing you can put on your calendar is the Taste of Summer happening Saturday, June 3rd. That's 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, storewide summer sampling event. So
1: Those things are great, oh, man. Yeah. You walk into Zupans and you eat oh, yeah. before you buy a thing. I'm totally, it's the best.
0: Now another I think there's another thing here that I'm gonna probably get myself in trouble with, but I'm totally okay with this. <laughs> I love cinnamon rolls. Yeah. And now they've got cinnamon rolls. With a Z. With a Z so fresh a real... baked, served warm cinnamon rolls available every morning at the Burnside and Lake Grove locations, created exclusively by Bluebird Bakers.
1: That is incredible. Yeah. And uh one other thing. Yeah. Pokey Bar at all three locations. Oh yeah. Um and that is a fantastic easy and delicious meal.
0: Three locations, Zoo Pans, Markets, everything you need.
2: I can't stand the rain Against my window Bringing back sweet memories
0: once again it's portland's food scene podcast for another week right at the fork with your host chris angelis and uh, i'm court johnson your co-host
1: with the uh, most
0: with, with the most uh, some might say that. Some some might not. That was a pretty cliche thing to say. Yeah, it was. And, you know, and we haven't banned it yet from the show.
1: No, we'll work on next year. The 2018 ban. That's the new. That's the new one. Uh,
0: I, I, I was great to have uh, our guest today back in the studio because I got to meet him for the first time maybe three years ago, doing something radio related, and uh, he didn't correct the pronunciation of his name then, but he did today.
1: I asked him to. Yeah. I wanted to make sure everybody knew. Right. So he prefers Eli Cairo right. mm-hmm. of Olympia Provisions. Correct. Um, but as you found out.
0: Yeah, I was calling him Elias because that's his technical name, but uh, that's not what he likes to go by, and it's not even the pr- correct pronunciation of the Greek form of Elias. It more like Elias. Elias. E- Elias, that's Elias. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, but what I what what I like about Eli is that we come from the same place. We're both Utah boys.
1: That's the only thing you like about well,
0: him. Well, one of the things that I like about him.
1: I like about his what he's done and how hard he's worked. Well, there's that too. Um, to build uh, what I think is a fantastic business, one of the most successful Portland food businesses oh, sure. that we have. Yeah. Um, and the to me the remarkable thing is Olympia Provisions did not start until. 2008, yeah, as Olympic provisions, or was it 2009? No, I'm sorry, 2009. 2009, yeah. So it's only eight years old. And when you see this morning, I had the opportunity to take a little tour of the 40,000 square foot facility. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that he was the sole employee when they started it, um, to see where it is now, it's it's really a cool thing. Well, I even look back, going
0: back to this conversation I had with him. Three years ago, like th- they were even smaller then. I mean, they were just barely
1: way smaller. Yeah,
0: I, I think he, I think we were lucky to have had him on at that time because he had to go back and stick his, you know, hands in meat and mix it all up. He's, you know, he's still very much doing the day to day stuff.
1: Right, and and doing it really well. I was there today to watch all the employees putting uh, with smiles, putting a lot into it. With the USDA inspector there, who's there around the clock, yeah. watching what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they have that facility in Southeast um, and two really nice restaurants and another three restaurants, too, as well, that sort of hot dogs and right. that sort of thing. And anybody who knows Olympia Provisions knows that they make a hot dog that you, it is not the normal hot dog. Yeah. It's a special experience.
0: It absolutely is. And, and as actually, we didn't talk about this on there, but I was – Explained to Eli how much I love the smell of like just their products. The I, I get the saucisson sec, which is the French traditional sausage they make, or you know, and it's just all.
1: Oh. Well, the aromas this morning were yeah, incredible. I can only imagine. And I have a few pictures of it. We'll post up when it comes out. Um, but Eli Cairo, um, uh, I'm really glad we finally got to have him on the show. Year three here, mm-hmm. um, and fun guy, and uh, a lot to learn from, and. And someday, I'm going to be... I don't know. Am I too old to adopt a work ethic like he has? It's never too late, Chris. (laughs) Okay, I'll work on it in the next week. Hey, is that fixed from last time? Is that actually fixed, or is that a new one? That's a new one.
0: Oh. Yeah. I had to bring in B-Y-O mic stand. (laughs) What it is? Bring
1: your own mic stand.
0: Yeah, they switched it out for that thing over there, which doesn't even work. It (laughs) won't stay up and...
1: So last week he had the kindergarten version. It was like a two-foot level to bend over. Yeah. To, uh, to not last week, two weeks ago. I'm nothing but flexible, quite literally, when it came to that mic. <laughs> right, and the mic the mic can move. Yeah.
0: Too. It's not see we well. Elias has been in the the uh, Alpha Studios before, and we had to use a backup studio that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm if on. I'm remembering correctly, uh The mic was over modulated that we had at the time, so I had to like. The levels way down and hope that it didn't peak out. It was crazy. Well, those I'm things
1: those things happen, but yeah. you got sort of got another shot. Yep. Not, we're not <laughs> suggesting anybody go back and listen to that anyway. Nope. So, I don't think
0: you can find that episode anywhere from the previous from the Jamie Mustard the Jamie Mustard era. Yeah. yeah.
1: R- which is where you and I met. So the, that's right. Yeah. Uh, or through Jamie, um, but. I just want to get one thing clear. So we refer to you as Eli. Eli. Mm-hmm. Court just said Elias. I was saying that for a long time. And then Eric at CHOP initially said Elias. Elias. Yeah. Right.
3: Uh, I'm Eli Cairo. <laughs> Most people call me Eli Cairo. Okay. My family calls me Elias. And anybody else that knows my name calls me Elias. But ah. Like, I prefer to go as Eli. Eli. <laughs> Eli.
1: But if someone's going to go one way or the other. Eli. It's, well, yeah. But if. Okay. Eli. But the, the,
0: your family calls you Elias uh, because that's the Greek pronunciation. Exactly. Correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And you know my, I name, think I, my my name is Greek but I wouldn't know any of that. Yeah.
0: So I had to harken back to to the way Jamie Mustard pronounced it and so I, I think that was my reference Still point. Stuck, so yeah. yeah.
1: And, but, and and you didn't correct him
3: well i do at some point i call myself eli but i'm so it's
1: been what 40 years of just dealing with this shit so it's whatever <laughs> i'll answer to anything i still get you know, my actual first name my first initial is r so i get male dear r what and i hate that well it's like you know f Lee bailey oh, is right. r christopher angeles so okay, i've okay, given okay. thought to changing anyway no one wants
0: to hear this. my name is is actually courtney so for all my life people think i'm a girl
3: Tell me that's true.
0: That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome.
1: So yeah. that segues nicely into when I went in this morning, you were kind enough to give me a uh, a tour of your beautiful 400,000 square foot facility. 40,000. 40,000, yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. I misplaced a digit in there with breakfast. Yeah. I lost it in the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it, and I said, 400,000, that's big. big. That's like an office. That's like a giant office. building. Yeah, you yeah. know, now that I think about it completely, there's no way. Yeah, 400,000 would be so scary. But- I, your receptionist there was Chris, so yeah. we actually had that discussion this morning, Court. Mm. That I didn't like it as a kid because that was a girl's name, and she didn't like it because it was a boy's name. Oh, okay, mm. yeah. Uh-huh. So you don't have that problem with Eli? No, nope. I'm all Eli. So it's hard to pronounce. But going back to uh, childhood, so um, you started in restaurants with your at your dad's restaurants. How old were you? God,
3: there's pictures of my mom. Taking us on bike to our dad's restaurant where I was like on a binky.
1: Wow, that's pre Portland. You know, it's perfect riding a
3: bike. Yeah, in Utah. Who knew? Suburbia, Salt Lake. It was suburban Salt Lake. Yeah, we live in Sandy, so if you're familiar with the area, it's right at the base of Little Cottonwood Canyon. So right in a good way. skiing, great skiing. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, well, Court's the Salt Lake City guy here, so we I don't think we've ever had two Salt Lake City people here. Born, in born and
0: raised. In I so was long. I would well I grew up in Pleasant Grove, which is oh. just over the uh-huh. in the next valley over. But yeah, no Sandy was the the biggest city, the closest, closest to the biggest city. Yep. So yeah,
1: that's it. So what were the names of your dad's restaurants? <laughs> um,
3: we had. Queens one and two, which were like super duper classic Greek American spots, like I'd,
1: huge menus.
3: Yeah, like you know, get a grilled cheese burger, Euro Slovakia baklava, apple pie, you name it, we made it. R-
1: right, but I think <laughs> the defining factor for me for Greek diners growing up, uh-huh. uh, where I grew up, was. That you just could never finish looking at the menu because totally. it was like 19 pages. Exactly.
3: Of... And like every breakfast item and every which way you could possibly have. And I don't know how the hell we all did it.
1: But... And then you still had people saying, can I have it uh, this way? his cheese on my burger. Yeah, sure. something like that. <laughs> so, and uh, what else?
3: Yeah, let's see that one. And then we had a fourth floor cafeteria. That was actually the one later in my life that I worked at most. And it wasn't the unemployment um, building in downtown Salt Lake City, and it was on the fourth floor, hence the name, and we would just do like Greek-American diner food but at a cafeteria, and it was just so awesome.
1: And what did you learn there? Well,
3: it's actually a funny story. Uh, My family's well more than happy to say that they had me just so I can entertain my older sister, Michelle. Like she was a mistake, which is hilarious. And and they were like, well, you're going to have to play with her. Um, And then in high school, and she was an amazing student. I was exactly the opposite. I was always getting into shit. And she got in a little bit of trouble. And on one year, I think it was my fifth grade year, Michelle did something stupid. And her punishment was that she had to go spend every day of summer working in the restaurant. But she was my babysitter. And so i had to go with her every day and all mm. she had to do was work the counter and i did literally everything else punch french fries wash dishes butter grilled cheeses meat people scrub tables i was working and she was just on the t- cash register which is so fitting to what we do right now
1: right and is it possible that had that not had she not done something wrong yeah that maybe olympia provisions would not exist today
3: if michelle didn't do a lot of things right olympia provisions wouldn't exist today <laughs>
1: right but <laughs> just the, ser- the the fact that <laughs> yeah. you worked together in totally. the restaurant uh-huh. at that point in time maybe may yeah. or may, you don't never know totally but.
3: yeah no she she actually saw how hard my family worked and how much it takes to like operate restaurants and be in food and all that and she and my and my dad's advice obviously was like go to school get a business degree do not get in the restaurant world so when i started begging her for a restaurant slash meat plant. She's like, I'll give you money, but I'm never going to come work there. Then what, four years later, she saw how much fun we were having and how much we needed her. And now she works. Oh, so she
1: wasn't, she wasn't there in the beginning.
3: No, she was a CFO of Opus solutions. She was like the youngest CFO.
1: Right. She was, she got a 30 under 30. Yeah. Not, I remember, um, a ways back. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't mean I didn't mean that to be for Chris way back I meant it was a, it wasn't it wasn't this year it wasn't last year so no. Um but interesting that you didn't take your father's advice because you know I, lo- I was thinking about you this morning after I saw mm-hmm. and and I want to talk about what you think your dad would think now if he saw what well, you were doing
0: let me let me let me just uh, was this was your dad's advice to your sister the same advice to you? No, not necessarily. Okay, that no. That's why I wasn't sure. Of. No, not necessarily. Because he had said to your sister, "Don't do the restaurant thing," but to right. you, yeah. might have been different. Yeah, I was always working, and she, he knew I wasn't okay. going to be a a college
3: student. He saw that one coming a long time ago. So he, we were always, you know, out in the backyard laboring and doing stuff, and you know, not. Like, we had a great time in our restaurants, but it's not for everybody.
1: Right, it's really, really hard work. Yeah. So I would think it would some, especially teenagers. Uh-huh would be completely dissuaded. Yeah. I'm not bothering, I'm not doing
3: that. Well, it's a great story. I'll, I'll tell you this one, it's a good one. Um, uh, since I lived at the bottom of Sandy, Utah, right, I was snowboarding every single day. You know, my father passed away when I was 16, 15, 16, and my mom gave me a season's pass to the ski resort. And she's like, just don't go getting in trouble. If you're not feeling like school, just go snowboarding every single day. Long story short, I got really good at it that year and I got sponsored by Burton Snowboards and I dropped out of high school and I was traveling around America. I was in like Montana everywhere and I would be riding with all my peers and my idols and all this great stuff and I all of a sudden got really scared. I got super sick and tired of rolling up to a a ski resort and throwing myself off of the biggest cliffs and at like literally just a free kind of scary accident wreck, didn't like get injured or anything, but it dawned on me that it's way too scary for me and I really miss working in the kitchen. Like, you know, nice coffee, the the pastries in the morning making, you know, it just wasn't scary. And I called my mom and I said, you know, I think I want to come back. And I want to go to culinary school. And she flipped like most Greek moms would. We're going to go spend money to go learn how to cook. She's like, you're not going to go to no culinary school. You're going to go back to the old country. You know, you're, you, you got to go to Greece and cook. And I was like, I'm not moving to Greece. I've been there plenty. I don't want to go throw goats into fires. I know how to do that where I want to, you know, that would be sweet. Now I would freaking love to have done it. But, uh, they started asking around and they got me my more fancy apprenticeship from that. So, in Switzerland. In but, Switzerland, yeah, the northeast corner right.
1: of Switzerland. So don't, don't jump off cliffs in the United States. Let's just go, go to over there and
3: then learn an education while you're doing it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, and uh, did you speak the language when you went? No, over there? not at
3: all. No, nope, no, nope, not, not, not a word. And I just did the smart thing. I, I first off landed up in this most beautiful little village up in the northeast corner. And like the second I landed there, I just knew I had to stay. Like we were processing wild game every single day. Our, my neighbors were cheese makers that I could go work in. I was, you know, full uh, bakery, patisserie, all the vegetables, dealing with farmers every single day. I landed, and I was like, this is heaven. I could ski out of my door. I could rock climb. I could just do everything. And I just decided to not take a day off of work or school until I learned the language. And then at about six months in, I did the smartest thing, and I got a girlfriend that couldn't speak English. And you had to learn it that way. So... No. Yeah. Oh. So this is North is this German, right? Swiss German, yeah. Swiss German, yeah. Mm-hmm. And written German as yeah. like we went to school. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you do that? Uh, my entire I was there for five years, and that's, then
1: that's a pretty good quote uh, unquote apprenticeship.
3: Yeah. You know, the first year I was supposed to be there six months, <clears throat> and then again I made myself as valuable as possible, helping the neighbors out, like working on my days off, butchering, cleaning the. the the butcher shop, like doing, I really loved it. It didn't ever seem like work. You'd go in at seven in the morning, get like a two hour break in the middle of the day and then get off around midnight and one. And it was just, it was the perfect time for me. I knew I was a dropout. I knew I had like this, I wanted a life change. I knew I was learning something and I just was just ready for it.
1: So is that work ethic genetic or environmental? Because, you know, I watch Jose. I was going to mention before, Jose Chesa Uh grew up, you know, in that industry and he's such a hard worker. Yeah, And so is that... Is that yeah. What you? I,
3: I, yeah, you know, I think you guys would agree. Most people that are entrepreneurs and are successful with it, if you love what you do, you just turn into the heart, a workaholic. There's no way around it, you know?
1: But it has to do more with you loving what you do rather yeah. than you're not necessarily citing what you observed mm-hmm. as a child. Like, this is what people do.
3: Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it's Michelle makes fun of me. I'm, I've turned exactly into my father. You know, I, if I'm not working at the meat plant, I'm working in my garden or making our wine or... You know, I'm just always working. I love being active, and it's when I'm happiest. When I'm idle for two days, I'm so bored.
1: I don't think you'd have. Uh, <laughs> we, I think we can unequivocally say you wouldn't have what you have if you yeah. didn't have that drive so, to work and that love of it. Yeah, and right. it's of course you know
3: Michelle has the same unbelievable work ethic in a total different way. She doesn't stop either. And you know the people that w- we we have definitely created that culture around us. Every the majority of the people that work at Olympia Provisions are super hardworking and are
1: really into it. And I have to say, having gone this morning, um, <laughs> everybody's smiling. Oh yeah. No it's, one, no one was unhappy oh, to yeah. be there. And it's a gloomy day too. Yeah. It's,
3: uh, yeah, we have a, it, it, we have a very, very positive culture as much as I preach anything. It's all, you know, please and thank yous and have fun. And we give them lunch and they still get two beers after, you know, work. And on the weekends we're always hanging out and cooking and it's a fun job. You know, it's not s- sausage making and the meat plant is really fun and exciting stuff. It's, you know, making meat, listening to music and
1: and the whole thing goes with beer <laughs> everything <laughs> you do so beer and, wine. and that's part of your lifestyle oh, yeah. too you haven't you know you're gonna keep doing that keep drinking till the keep day I die. To, yeah. absolutely
3: <laughs> who kills me first the booze or the pork fat
1: <laughs> but you're still going strong
3: oh yeah i love it absolutely how's sort your of. cholesterol you know i do a lot of exercise but it could probably be better you know i run four days a week try to Exercise as much. Always on my feet. All that good stuff.
1: Are you eating a lot of product? <laughs> I like think
3: every. I just had a brat before I came here. I ate more sausages and meat than should ever. I also eat a lot of vegetables. Huge vegetable garden in my backyard, and you know I love vegetables as much as I do meat. But
1: so I think what a lot of people don't know about you, some do, but not everybody. As you're a fantastic cook, I didn't know that, as a chef, yeah. I didn't know that. I went, the first year that Feast happened, uh-huh. you did an event with uh, Adam uh-huh. Yep. and your dishes were Aww. fantastic. Thank you. And much. I was, I had no idea that you yeah. cooked at yeah. the time. Totally. Now it's yeah. hard not to know.
3: Yeah, I I'd land, I'd landed in, you know, right when I got here, I tried to talk Michelle into opening my meat plant just finishing my Swiss apprenticeship and I was fortunate enough to get a job at Castagna working with Kevin Gibson and Monique Sue and I just worked my way up until eventually when Kevin wanted to leave he let me be the executive chef and it was, you know, one of the just it's the best time. You know, learning to cook and being with Monique Sue, which is if you don't know her, she's just a, a legend on supporting good things if it's a great farmer or delicious forager or any of those things she really is just excited about food and so going into that beautiful kitchen cooking every single day working on it then working with the usda at night to open up my meat plant definitely uh, yeah i mean i cooked i still cook six days
1: a week at home i'm always in the kitchen or doing something and uh how often do you go to your restaurants uh, all the time. So you're man, You're cooking 63 and going to the restaurants yeah, and you know, like, and sampling a little salami. Yep,
3: yep. Well, I, we do product testing almost every day in the meat plant. And then, of course, we have a lot of national customers too, right? And so they always swing through and so we always take them to a restaurant or,
1: you know, I just try
3: to stay active.
1: One of the things that struck me this morning is you said you were the initial only employee yeah. when you started. So this is 2009. Yep eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, what I like to do when someone says that is obviously identify what I was doing in 2009 mm-hmm. and try to think of what I've accomplished in that period of time. <laughs> and it pales in oh, comparison okay. to, no, from being the only employee to yeah. how many employees did you say you have? Now? We have 200. Cause fully. I don't want to get that wrong. Like I got yeah. the square footage. <laughs> two hundred. You have, two, have 200,000 employees. Yeah. 200,000 employees. <laughs> <laughs> biggest
3: employer in Oregon.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, to go from the little space, and you showed me the the walk-ins and the smokers mm-hmm. and what you used to have and what you have, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. And could you have two two parts to that? Could you have envisioned it? And could your father and your mom? Let's not leave your mom out of the equation yeah, too. But your father would, you know, your uh-huh. families in the restaurants. How? What if yeah. they could see, could have seen that then?
3: Yeah. One, there's no way I could have envisioned the the growth like this. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I get to see my mom and she's my biggest fan all the time. And she is definitely so proud of us. I mean, she still works demos at grocery stores and it's kind of her retirement is cruising around and preaching it. and she is, she just reeks with pride with me and Michelle, you know, she loves us and we love her and it's very, very flattering and she's super happy. She loves food. My family, but my mom and my dad love food more than any human beings I've ever met. My mom wakes up at 7 in the morning to start cooking still every day, and she lives with herself. And so, you know, we go over for Easter last week. She baked every one of the kids, grandkids, their own lamb cake, musaka, spanakopita, tirikopita, every Greek dish you could imagine. She had a prep for three days, and it's just her happy spot. Like, growing up as a kid, I mean... Honestly, I can't think of one day that we ever woke up without fresh bread and Greek pastries and cooked three courses, like or three meals a day. She just was feeding her little Greek army of kids and that's what you do.
1: Is that is that common in the in the Greek culture? Big or? time. Cuz I don't it doesn't I don't know. But would that be a Salt Lake? It's not a Salt Lake City. Lots of Greeks in Salt
0: Lake.
3: Uh, that, that's really? kind of the, one of the big yeah.
1: secrets. Is uh, aside from the obvious Mormon
0: population, I think mm-hmm. probably the,
3: the Greeks, are, no Greeks
0: are probably the second
3: For largest.
1: Sure. And do we know and, how they got there?
3: Yes. Uh, uh, one, the culture is very similar to the Mountain Greeks, like Spartan Greeks. So we oh, have okay. cold winters, sagebrush, that olives. That works. And then the original copper mine, Kennecott, was Greek-owned and operated. And so my great uncle came over and worked the copper mines way when my dad was a little tiny boy and came back and told of this place, Salt Lake, where you could buy land. There's a small city. It's a lot of Greeks, two, three Greek Orthodox churches and all that stuff. And it's, I mean, I was just there uh, two weeks ago and it has by far better Greek food than Oregon, like by far. I would,
0: well, I would, I would, I yeah. would agree with that. Absolutely.
1: Well, this isn't a hotbed of Greek and then, food.
0: Yeah. And and well, and, the, and they, you know, both places have the the annual Greek festival. Yeah. The Greek festival in Salt Lake City is just insane. it's crazy, insane. Yeah, I used to Greek, go, I used to Greek dance there. The, there's uh, a <laughs> there's a chain. Well, there's multiple chains of uh, of Greek, Slovakia, uh, yeah. but like Crown Burger mm-hmm. and Apollo oh my Burger, pastrami Burger Oh yeah, to die for it is, Yeah, I, when I, I was actually just there a week and a half ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I had to stop by Crown Burger. Gotsta. Yeah, it's, it's it's that good.
1: No, yeah. I need to make a stop. Oh, for day. sure. I've Great never actually friend. been. I've driven, you know, kind of on my way from here to Phoenix mm-hmm. through it, but I never stopped. So have to do that. Didn't yeah. know that. And but what I find really impressive is that you just said, and this, these are this is a, a big statement on your mom and your father. Mm-hmm. You just said that you've you live in Portland, Oregon now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So and you just said you've never known anybody who loves. And enjoys food more yeah. than they do. Think of oh. thinking about it's, the universe of people here it's who are huge. kind of into food. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, and they do, She
3: does it in such a natural way. You know, like she they she just grew up m- cooking and eating and gardening and making you know jellies and wine and all these things that she just has an appreciation that's pre social media, Instagram and genuine. You know, like it's just in her blood. She's happiest if she's stressed or emotional. My mom will whip up bread. You know, that's just like her happy place, which is, it's just great to see.
1: I need someone like that in my life. Someone who just whips something up to oh, make gosh, to, for amazing. happiness. Yeah. So, you know, I first met her when I just happened to be uh, wandering around and I didn't even know Cannon Beach had a Tuesday or Thursday, mm-hmm. whatever day it is, um, Farmer's Market. And there's the, the, at the time, Olympic Provisions yeah. uh, booth. And it said, "You look, you look like Michelle." You've got to be. <laughs> and um, uh, so here's your mom. You uh-huh. have how many farmers markets do you
3: do? Uh, during high season, we do seventeen a week. So. Seventeen. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I'd like to get back to how that impacts your business. Absolutely. What you think? So yeah. how important that is uh-huh. to your biz- that business here? But um, here she is, with the company growing and growing and growing, and re- literally you wouldn't know that Olympic provisions, Olympia provisions was any different than the booth, the, the farmer right next door, yeah. who was that, that was their whole life coming out to the farmer's market. Yep. She's just doing her thing. So, um, it's kind of a, it's a small, big company yeah, and, in terms of Portland. You know, it's it, nationally, you've got some great things going on, mm-hmm. but you're still, Referred to as a small business with the number yes. of employees you have, yeah. but and we talked about this this morning. Mm-hmm. It, we live in a city where success is sometimes not necessarily frowned upon, mm-hmm. but it automatically people aren't pulling. Yeah, some people, some, not all. Yeah, but some people aren't rooting any lo- yeah. longer for oh, you. Absolutely. They yep. so how how do you balance that?
3: Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, I got to say, Portland, I love you more than anything in the whole world. And thank you for all the damn support you've ever had. And I'm so thankful to be in this city. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, But there is definitely, I mean, I've heard it from people that are my good friends, where they maybe aren't using my product because I'm considered the big guy here. And I mean, in the meat world, I'm considered one of the tinier guys. You know, I'm not a big company. So it is a sense of frustration because a lot of people think big business is bad business. And if you you know, if you wanna support or make a change in Oregon agriculture in any which way for the better, somebody's gonna to have to get big enough to actually make a change. And that's kind of been one of the ethos of Olympia Provisions forever. The first year or two, I was doing a lot of free processing for a lot of uh, Oregon pork farmers. <clears throat> um, I was processing for free in trade that they would get value-added product and I'd get protein, and it was kind of a cool system. I was working a lot, giving away a lot of product, but I figured I had to build this infrastructure for Oregon pig farmers. And, and this was when I wasn't doing millions of dollars of sales. We were like a $1 million business maybe back then. And um, all three of those farmers went out of business in my first two years. And in that literal time, I told Michelle I was in a very dark place, you know, what are we gonna do? And she very small said, well, we need to grow. We need to grow until you actually have an impact and you can persuade the way people are going. And I did that with a lot of support with from Portlanders and Oregon's when I was small. But now I'm to the point where I can actually make a change, make sure we're using the best hogs in America, possibly change the system that we are farming. And to do that, I still need people's support, you know? And so I get very frustrated when people don't use my product because I'm such a genuine meat maker in America. And the meat world is very smoke and mirrors. A lot of people can put a pretty label on bad pork and have no meat plant and co-pack and all those horrible things. But right in downtown Portland, we have this you know, amazing meat company. Sorry, that sounds arrogant, but just a handmade meat company doing everything absolutely right, trying to be the best company we can. So obviously I get a little irked when I see people not using my product and using.
1: Yeah, well, you've poured shit. your heart and you're, you <laughs> literally poured <laughs> someday your heart and soul yeah, in oh, that. Oh, gosh, I, yeah. Um, it's, uh, so it's a, uh, I guess you have to learn that you can't please everybody all the time, but how, yeah. many, how many companies yeah, I know it, it's very, it could be very appropriate to say nobody, but how many companies like yours are there across the U.S. who are at least doing something close <laughs> to what you're doing with, with, the, with so, the focus on gosh. using the products that you use?
3: You know, it's, it's very, 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 very small. I can't think. Uh, I can think of uh, one like, I've two, but not at the scale that we're at right now. The majority of the, the meat industry has a lot to do with co-packing, which is, you know, you may make one product, but then you take your other product and you just get a recipe from somebody and put your label on it. And, you know, I think besides that and the fact of what we're trying to do with our pork sourcing, we're definitely uh, one of the very few that are doing it. All in-house, really care about our product. Really trying to grow something that everybody in Portland is very proud of,
1: and you know, as many as much as as visible as you are, Mm -hmm. you know, as I said, you can't go to a grocery store and not Uh see your product. Um, And I see it all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell your that whole story, Mm -hmm. other than the flavor and how good it is. But you, and that's it's it's kind of hard. In this day when everybody's using the term "natural" and yeah. we're doing it all right, and we and you know, farm-raised and locally produced, it's really hard to actually say no, 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 no. no. Mm-hmm. We really are totally doing it, and I think there's probably, um, you know, there, I think we're fooled a lot mm-hmm. oh, that gosh. things aren't what they seem yeah. to be. Yeah,
3: but I think if I had one magic wand wish, it would be that labeling was truly transparent in America. Where like you had to actually say what you're doing on every single label, label, and having finer ways to define it, similar to Europe, where it's like you know you're not, you're not pulling somebody's the wool over somebody's eye in an AOC or any of those respected regions that are actually producing it. It's pretty genuine, but here it's more of an image you can buy, and
1: you know it would make you stand out that much more. So, <laughs> this morning you, I, in, I was introduced to a USDA inspector uh-huh. who's there. Every, All, every day? Yep. Uh-huh. They
3: work with us every single day, sun up sundown. You know, probably three days a week they get there before we do or like right when we're arriving they do what a pre-op is. And that's, you know, they take a flashlight and run through everything and, uh, you know, swab your machines, make sure they're clean, uh, check your paperwork. And it has to be done by the time we start processing at 630. If we're not absolutely immaculate, they close you down. So it's it's got to be. And that's a lot of money if you close down for one day.
1: So... I would have to imagine. How many years has this been going on? Uh, this is my eighth year. Yeah. With the USDA inspector, you y- it started it with the. UA- every. Si- yeah, yeah, I started. So a- I mean, so she comes in. She doesn't she now know you well enough, and everybody will go. I don't really need you know. Yeah, well, it
3: rotates. The USDA your, your inspector rotates every six months, and then within there they get audited, and you know, it's like, it's like anything. You just got to stay on top of it, you know, and so it's. It's a weird way. It's obviously a point of frustration for some companies to work the USDA, but if you have a good relationship with you, it's kind of like hiring the best manager you've ever had in your entire life. Like somebody that's there, it's really strict to make sure everything's getting done perfect. If not, it's going to be brought to your attention and then it's a bigger problem. So if you if you work with them well and you're willing to, they say jump and you say how high, you know, paint this, do it that day, get everything done the way they want to, it's a great relationship. But if you start getting lazy and slacking, then that's when it gets ugly.
1: Well, I would imagine you also couldn't survive if it was a contentious relationship every day <laughs> yeah. with the yeah. the prison warden totally. standing over your shoulder yeah. watching.
3: And that's a lot of the old world, or the old guys in America have that re- USDA relationship where it's just like fight them on everything. You know, don't, don't buckle my grandpa did it this way. We don't clean our smokehouse, et cetera, et cetera, and it's just a battle and that's not the route I want to take. <laughs> so you know
1: and you know the deal. So you're yeah. not gonna argue it. No. And I'm sure there are probably times where you think that's not necessary, but <laughs> Exactly I gotta have this little stamp. Absolutely. I wanna have this stamp yes. and this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And then for the most part, I
3: have to say that they are really great and they're smart and they you know, they do a good job. But yeah, there's been multiple times where I've been like only one time actually that I had to on the heavy hitters because I knew he was wrong and we just didn't get along well. And I was like, hey, I need to talk to your boss and I'll stop processing today, but you're wrong. And
1: That's was, pretty good that it was only one time. Yep. Yep. And the
0: guy got laid off after that. This would be a great time, Chris, for us to talk about our good friends at Standard TV and Appliance.
1: And Gen Air. And Gen Air, both founded in 1947. Exactly. What a coincidence. And they've Paired together to support this podcast. We're very happy about that. And if, we have good things to say.
0: Yeah. If you've dreamed of having a, a appliance that c- is connected to to your Wi Fi, for example, that you can control from, you know, maybe the office, Gen Air's got it. And standard TV appliance has the Gen Air.
1: Right. So you, you're connected in every other way. Why not set your. Oven up, so it'll start when you're on your way home. Yep, or you got that casserole sitting in there, so it turns on and it's ready right when you walk in the door. Exactly. And this is this is the wave of the future, so get in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to
0: have that. So I think it's great that we have standard TV and appliance, which is locally owned and Oregon-based. It's awesome.
1: I agree. That's what we're looking for on this podcast. And um, also, they're so kind as to, if you've shopped for a Gen Air appliance, mm-hmm. use the word fork. And don't just say fork. Right. Don't don't walk up to the salesperson while you're purchasing the Gen Air and wink and say fork. Right. You no, need yeah. to just say, I heard this on right at the fork. And hopefully they'll know what you were talking about. But again, we suggest you say that anyway when you walk in the door. Right.
0: And the reason why is because they'll, uh, they'll include a five-year warranty on your Gen Air appliance. Oh, thanks for yeah. supplying that information. Yeah. Not- <laughs> <laughs> you could just mention, hey, by the way, I listened to Right at the Fork. But right, but five-year warranty is pretty there's good. There's a benefit to it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: They've got uh, five locations to serve
1: you, so pretty much wherever you are, they are too. Right, there's one right there on uh, Sandy mm-hmm. that's that's great with a great showroom. Yep. And also, com. If you go to our website, rightatthefork.com, you can click through and it'll take you right to the Gen Air portion of Standard TV and Appliance website. So you have to have – there are skills <laughs> that no one – taught you Mm -hmm. you know when as a kid Mm -hmm. or or in switzerland or in greece oh sorry then maybe they didn't they may have but Mm -hmm. but the skills of patience (laughs) where you all all the the everything you had to jump through i would imagine in portland oregon to build facilities rebuild facilities open restaurants Mm -hmm. it's not just let's go do this yeah yeah it's Frickin'
3: persistence. I say that to everybody. It's like it's easy to get an idea off the ground. Then year three is when it starts to become actually difficult. <laughs> like where you have to continue to put forth, you know, you gotta be better every single day and you gotta keep working so hard at making it perfect. Be it your restaurant, how you treat your employees, how you're doing everything. Always working at systems and then just realizing that it's not gonna get easier. That every single day it's probably gonna be harder and you're probably not gonna get that vacation and you're probably gonna have to work your ass off and then just being comfortable with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you would think that the the standard, I know my thought has always been, and I I don't know about yours, Court, but the older you get, the more you work at something, it's supposed to get easier. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to provide for you, but also get to the point where you don't need to put as much into it. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself getting to that? Well, getting to the point where you can step back a little bit i know uh, you mentioned uh, this morning you're uh, stepping back a little bit from totally, the, the yeah. obsessive
3: working exactly i mean i am here on a monday and that would have never happened three years ago i'd have been you know elbow deep in sausage meat, and never leave me my sausage table um, i have i think in my meat plant right now i have of my original employees for eight years, you know, so, and I fully trust those guys and our sales team are amazing. You know, we have HR, we have marketing, Dana, you know, we have sales and we have a lot of really talented people that have surrounded me that maybe I'm stepping a little bit back out of everyday meat production, but I'm still working on bigger things like the Oregon pork process, sourcing, selling, things like that. Um, stepping back, but I don't think I'm anywhere near done, if you know what I mean. Like, I got a lot of work to do the next
1: decade. And how many different products do you have now? You Gosh,
3: know? I think the last time we saw, you know, we're doing pickles now as well and, you know, all those things. I think we have uh, 75 SKUs. And now we're going into beef and poultry and all that good stuff.
1: And that's not easy. So, right? So meat, I would imagine, has to carry with it a lot of any kind of meat. hmm a lot of regulations oh, yeah. and a lot of they hoops agree. you have to. Oh. So, so you're not thinking, how do we make this easy? And I'm not going to mention any specific food because then someone's going to say, what do you think that's? That's not. <laughs> but you're not. You're not trying to ease it down a little bit. No, you're just yeah. cranking it up.
3: Yeah, sure, exactly. You know, we we want to we want to keep it going. There's no doubt about it. It's yeah, we're
1: we've just begun. <laughs> so, uh, your life in front of you. Do you foresee? Um, you know, it sounds like children and, and leaving the business to what's the future of Olympia provisions 20 years from now? Are you looking at that? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. The future I hope for Olympia provisions is, you
3: know, I got a lot of, as I said, loyal employees and I want to make sure that we've grown to a place where they could live a very happy life. You know, I I love when I see an employee buy a house or buy cars. And to do that, I got to keep growing and pushing them. You know, they're a lot. And so, you know, it, you know, we're dreaming and I, and I think it's true that it can happen. You know, I do want to own my own slaughterhouse and I do want to own my own, um, small wiener farms where I'm bringing my type of pigs out to ranchers to finish them off. And I want, you know, lifelong employees to be invested in that and be part of my business as we grow and then we'll see where that goes. You know, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And then besides that, you know, my hobbies, bird hunting, <laughs> killing elks with Bow and arrows and things like that, and gardening. So they're slight,
1: slightly related. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Right. So <laughs> I got a fetish with killing things. There's no doubt about it.
1: <laughs> and How do you come to grips? Is that something you need to come to grips with? I mean, you obviously just mentioned it yeah. as a fetish. Yeah.
3: So, no, I, it, it's, it's really odd to me that I work in meat this much. And then on my free time, I'm training dogs to go kill birds. And, you know, it's primal. It is very like primal. Going back to- yeah. It is very primal. But I, I love it, and it's just my pat it's just my hobby it's like a way that's my only way to really you know step away from the business is be in the middle of nowhere and pretending to be a tree
1: and it's something you can do in the pacific Northwest very <laughs> right. easily and we're right? probably so. one
3: of the best states in the America to do it in and it's let's go back to it. It is the most delicious meat, no matter what you do in the world wild shot animal is just my favorite type of protein
1: and you can't you can't process that no, and sell it
3: it's all in my house
1: yeah. <laughs> Right, but you—if even higher. if you could—you can't. Yeah. No. There's no, there's not enough, and le- <laughs> legally
3: you can't. Legally, I can't.
2: How it.
0: did how did Arby's get away with their their venison sa- sandwich? sandwich? You ever hear about that? Arby's had a venison. Well, sandwich? Well, but it can't be wild
1: caught. Yeah. yeah. Also it must been far raised. Raised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get, that would make sense. Totally.
1: Yep. Hmm. What What is your the ultimate hunting? natural kind of northwest experience do you remember for me yeah i'm sure you've had a few of them but do, uh, can you recall offhand where you might have been in the moment where you just said this is incredible yeah you know, this I is mean, what i I've, really
3: love i've uh, uh i was i was on the um the gosh darn it the uh in troy the grand ron river and we were hunting for chucker and you know what chuckers are they're like no. in and like. and uh, kind of like a partridge. They're these really amazing birds that strive in these very high areas. And I was hunting with my dog and my beautiful girlfriend, Jess, and she's a winemaker. She makes wine out of our backyard. And we had just finished like a picnic of my meat, my, you know, cheese and salami. And I stood up, my dogs get one point. I shoot two chucker. I celebrate because they're really hard to get. And on the way back to the truck, I found about two pounds of chanterelles. And then we were staying in the town, and I just had to literally start a fire and make a chanterelle sauce and eat chucker and then drink more wine. And I'm like, I am never leaving. I am never leaving. I'm never leaving. And then, you know, you can catch bass right there. You can, you know, fly fishes right out your door.
1: So did you have the – I'm just curious because where we are – did you have the urge to capture it all and share it on Instagram? or did you?
3: Sometimes just... <laughs> I do. Some, sometimes I do, but people give me so much shit that I need to do it more. I need to be more active in my social media life.
1: Well, I think it's fine <laughs> to just live in that moment. Yeah. You know, so many times, some of my best, and that doesn't mean when I post to Instagram, yeah. I'm not enjoying it, but absolutely some of my best meals that I've enjoyed at least in the last couple of years, you don't know. I was there on Instagram because I was having, so engaged, I didn't, like, I'm not oh, taking yeah. pictures. and that's, like, get,
0: that's when you take the picture halfway through the mail, you're just like, ah, that's like mm, sorry, I couldn't help myself. That's exactly me every time. Yeah. I'm like, like always oh!
3: so stoked to eat and sit down and right. start drinking, and then I'm like, oh. I forgot. Right. I'm supposed to. Supposed you're not to. Supposed, <laughs> you know,
1: it's not, you're not supposed to. It's a, it's a it's very a good, interesting world that um, everything needs to, you know, think about. Yeah. Um, I'm a little older than you, but I think about all the moments in my life that yeah. were really cool mm-hmm. and they weren't shared they're just memories totally and that's it they weren't yeah. shared and yeah. I, I have a ton of things from back in the 80s that were i just cleaned out my house the other day uh-huh. and i found some really really cool pictures mm-hmm. that in, in in the day would have been mm-hmm. insane you know? yeah 100 200 likes.
3: no i love i love what instagram has done to the, so, some chefs you know they, I, I i absolutely love it you know Chefs have been such an overlooked, hardworking group of people. And I genuinely mean that like underpaid, they work their asses off, never celebrated, but they're using this little platform of social media to pick up jobs, to get sponsorships, to bring people into their restaurants and the people that can actually really harness that and use it as a tool. I love it. And it's also just celebrating. It's not the only thing, but most of the people I follow celebrating food and drink. And that's it's awesome. <laughs> I love, I mean, I, I, I'm such a voyeur on that thing. I just watch everybody's Instagram and be like, it looks so good. It's so good. And yeah. they're so good at taking pictures.
1: Yeah. And, and the food in this city is beautiful. Oh, and now you've so got cool. cameras that can make it look better in dark light <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Um, totally. had that discussions, but I, you know, I think about, I think about social media a lot, but let's talk about the real social media, which is uh farmer's markets, because mm-hmm. that is, Oh, That's yeah, organic social media, Yeah, it's the, right? You're right there in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, what? how do you think you would have been able to grow? It would have
3: been extremely difficult. There's no doubt about it for multiple reasons. One, you have to get your brand out there, which I think is so important. Um, you know, talking to people every day saying we're in Portland, Oregon, I can still go work a farmer's market and introduce my product to people. Wait a minute, you make this here, you have restaurants, you do what? It's you know, that's year eight of us doing this every damn day of just getting it out there and selling it. Um, And then cash flow is unbelievable for a small business that direct to consumer sales, where you make your largest margins on a product and it's cash usually. So you can actually use it right away. You don't have to wait for accounts to be payable, you know, all those things. And so once you show to a bank that you are cash positive and willing to work for it, that's when you start to ask for bigger loans and you're starting to get you know, you're a responsible business owner if you're showing a positive cash flow and you're not buying new cars and not doing stupid things. So it's very important. I suggest anybody, small business, whatever you can do to support the Portland Farmers Markets and go either get your product in there or support it. Please do.
1: But it's not easy for you to get to Cannon Beach, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's you something just, that you got to be a, you gotta have out a of your way, mom. <laughs> right, but it would. All, <laughs> but there are other ones. I'm sure you're. I'm not privy to all your farmers markets, Uh but it would be easy to say, hey, we're not doing that one any longer. We don't, you know. Yeah.
3: You know, that's where Michelle Cairo comes in. You know, if we, if it, if it makes a hundred bucks in one year, it's worth doing, you know, it's, we pay the employee, we're employing somebody. We're getting our product out there. We use it a lot as R and D. If I come up with a new recipe and I want to see the feedback for people, I'll put it on a samples table and see how many they sell and what they move. And if it's the product I want to Go to, then it'll go to my restaurants and then the, the chefs will try it and it'll give me my feedback and then by the time it runs it through that ringer, then I'm ready to release it to the nation. So it's
1: That's an incredible it's an incredible system that you have and the restaurants are a big part of it too. Oh yeah. Because you yeah. didn't have to do the restaurants. You could have just wanted to process <laughs> yeah. meat. How so where did that come into the equation when you started and yeah. um and then I also I don't know Nate very well. We've uh, had so a couple of conversations. How to to but how did how did it all come about? Yeah.
3: So, So, Nate and I worked with each other at Um, Castagna.
1: By the way, Nate Tilden. Nate Tilden, sorry. Yes,
3: yes. Nate Tilden, Um, the man, the myth, the legend. He, uh, he, we used to work at Castania. I was the executive chef and he was managing the front of the house of the cafe and kind of was the GM of everything and also an amazing cook. Uh, he broke off to open up the Clyde Commons and two years later, the whole time I was working with the USDA to open up my meat plant and you know, work on a charcuterie company. And at his wedding, he mentioned to me, hey Eli, I know meat and charcuterie is your world. I want you to know, no hard feelings, I'm opening up a restaurant that is gonna be charcuterie focused and we're gonna make all of your char- our charcuterie in house. And I was like, the FUR, what are you talking about, Nate? Come on, you know, this is my steez. That's cool. You should use my product. And he looked at me and he's like, where are you going to put your meat plant? And I was like, you know, I'm still looking. He's like, what if I had a space for you? Would you think about partnering on this with me? And I was like, oh, it's a great idea. Maybe, yeah, I love working with Nate. You're a hard worker. This could be cool. Met at Produce Row back in the day, two blocks away, had two beers walked across the street to Olympia Provisions, the Olympic, the Olympic Mills building, walked in and he's like, I'm thinking about naming this thing Olympic Provisions. What do you think? And I was like, let's do it. And he said he'd manage the restaurants with Tyler, my other business partner, and you know, get that off the ground. And I just had to focus on my meat plant. And boy, it's, you know, running a restaurant is definitely a labor of love, but it's an amazing Thing to do if you're trying to build a brand as well
1: well so. also it gave you and uh, gave you somewhere to sell it immediately Absolutely. instantly and, and feedback that you were just mentioning feedback yeah
3: and reutilization of things that aren't perfect you know like you can if I have maybe a batch of salami it's not perfect I could still sell it to them and they could grind it and make it into a broth and at least I'm not wasting it now that I have the urban gleamers I usually use them instead but you know
1: <laughs> how much waste do you have
3: very very little very you know with the uh, our, we strive to only lose one percent yeah oh. very little it's kind of the responsible way for a meat maker to you know you shouldn't waste
2: anything. right at the so. fork is brought to you by standard tv and appliance standard tv and appliance offers the largest selection fast delivery professional installation and live kitchens where you can try before you buy. Oregon based and family owned, setting the standard since 1947. Standard TV and Appliance is your place for quality Gen Air appliances and more. LaRuda PDX, get tickets now for the first ever LaRuta PDX Festival. Top chefs from Spain and around the world. Join forces with chefs from Portland dedicated to Spanish cuisine. It's a gastronomic festival July 14th through the 16th. That's four days of dinners, events, workshops, demos, and cultural experiences. Find out more and buy tickets at larutapdx.com. Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and Grasa's Rick Giancarelli. Join right at the forecoast Chris Angeles with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. And buy Zupan's Unsurpassed Quality.
1: And how hard is that to do? Well, you got you just mentioned one way that you deal with yeah. it. Yeah, but you, know, you, you got a, you got a ton of product there yeah. and two restaurants. So I, well, yeah. we got, well you, now you got more. I'm yeah. just more thinking of the restaurants, the not restaurant just the restaurants. Worst. Yeah. Uh, By the way, it's not. You, I wouldn't say not just the worst. That, op worst. Yeah. On division is. I just love it. Oh, that Fantastic. makes sense. So.
3: I I love it too and. It might be the death of me. I love it that much. I'm, it's so fun to drink beer and eat sausages. You know. <laughs>
1: and and it's, it's all not, my whale. It's not even summer yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Court, have you been there? I, I have not. Oh, no. you got to come. Oh, you got to get I'm down I'm totally there. down. I it's, was just out in the, and I haven't been, I didn't even know there was an outside to it because the only other time I've been there, we went inside yeah. for the, the intro. Yep. And this was, what, a month l- that was a month Gosh, ago maybe. Yeah, no no a month and a half, two yeah, months ago. Yeah, this is week eight. Right. So now you've got your picnic table set up out there. So far. And so you've got some incredible pretzels. So incredible <laughs> that I, I made a deal with Rick Giancarelli that he's gotta come out to Manzanita and bring those pretzels. Yeah. That's part of the that's part of the deal. Totally.
3: Victor Darris I tell you, man, that guy's a genius. He's worked at this forever and he just—he looked at us. He was our sous chef. He came from Ox, and he's worked in all these amazing restaurants. He's great, and he was like, you know, my whole dream is I want to open up just a sausage and beer bar kind of concept. And I was like, excuse me, Wait, hey, well, say, say that he's again. not <laughs> talking
1: to the right guy. <laughs> what do you
3: want to do? And then, then, you know, he come He's just an amazing cook.
1: Do you think he knew who he? Did oh he just yeah, yeah. Drop. He, was that a passive aggressive
3: kind of? He was working at our at our restaurant for three years before we finally opened up the first worst and. He, he actually is was one of the, uh, you know, the how it started is the Northwest restaurant would battle the Southeast restaurant on Frankfurter Fridays where they'd make a hot dog and put on the zaniest toppings or crazy toppings or most delicious toppings and see who sold mo- more through the day. And Victor was like, hands down, the biggest winner. <laughs> are,
1: are there competitions between the two restaurants to see? In jest, yeah. Always fun. How For do sure. they do comparatively speaking?
3: It You know, it's two total different clientels. Um, depending on you know the southeast you have the more what you would expect of a portland crowd a little more bohemian drinking all day every day not nah, you know you go in and see you know two thousand dollars in liquor at a lunch on a friday and northwest is still more reserved like old portland where maybe it's like you know you still got to be a little bit more refined and whatnot they're both amazing and it's a it's it's been very eye-opening to us how many people hate one and love the other and vice versa like, really? Oh my God! What is there
1: to hate about one and? I don't know.
3: You're telling me parking. I, I mean, parking at both sucks. So.
1: It's not, but it's not. You don't have to pay. Well, no. Yeah. Now in Northwest, you have, you have to, to pay, pay over there. Yeah. All yeah, <laughs> that. Well, it, but it makes it. On the flip side, it probably makes it easier to park some somewhat.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, maybe it's. Yeah. Some people think that Southeast is just a hideous-looking restaurant and dark and.
1: Oh, I think it's really cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've I always it, felt it's like. It's one of the places, and I have a friend coming in this week from out of town, and we have like one dinner we're going to awesome. do. That's about it. And it's on top of my mind, but it's one of the places that embodies for me <laughs> that if you want to give someone that Portland experience, uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I, d- so. I just mentioned to you, I hadn't been there in two or three years, mm-hmm. and I've always been, I can't call myself a regular, mm-hmm. but off enough. I was there enough where I felt like I've gotten to know this restaurant. Yeah. But I haven't been there in two or three years recently, and it brings back the thought that this place is incredible, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to do that in this town, <laughs> with everybody being all oh, about so the new, yeah. and here's this wonderful restaurant that's obviously getting better, mm-hmm. right? Because oh, it doesn't really get worse. worse. No, well, it could, Yeah. but you've still got Alex in there oh, yeah. cooking, and it's yeah, got Alex all the good things. Alex,
3: and our, you know, we have like, what, four Psalms now, and like, the wine world is so great, and it's just the, the 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 talented people that work at all of the restaurants and the meat plant blow my mind. They're just really invested, which is great in Portland. You're seeing that now. You know, when we first maybe at Castania, there was like a handful of us that were really into food and wine and beer and beverage and all this. There was only there wasn't a ton of us. Not like now. Now it's like you put a resume up on Post, you're getting. Three psalms from Boston, you know what I mean, and cooks from every city in America that want to come out and work here. So the 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 level of talent that are is out there and that are really invested in what they do as a career is definitely improved.
1: Well, that runs against the grain of what I generally hear that it's so hard to find good cooks, and huh. you know the front of the house issue versus the back of the house issue. Yeah. So that's very different than uh, yeah. what I've heard from a lot of people. You uh, do you think it's your Maybe the Reputation, brand? the brand, the maybe, people. Maybe that they heard it. I don't
3: know. I, I would love to, I think it has a lot to do with Alex and the chef Eric Joppy at Northwest. And they just are those more modern-day chefs where it's polite, very professional, upbeat. And then the front of the house, they're very professional. You know, they're always studying classes and wine courses and all that stuff and trying to make it better. And it's a good place. We've definitely... Um, developed a culture of learning you know you can come here and you know continue your education and keep growing as a cook and a chef and a server etc cetera, etc cetera. but i don't know i i think that portland's chock full of
1: talent right now i would think so but it's also chock full of restaurants that's
3: true um that's true
1: i really honestly feel that if nothing opened for another year would be fine it would be actually good because it could help Mm-hmm. some of those that have done really good things over the years sustain mm-hmm. and not have to fight for attention because mm-hmm. it's easier for the new ones to get the attention oh, yeah. and, and the, the, is, these new ones are so delicious too
3: you know i like, know you go to these new ones and what's you're like, the next oh best i thought it could be any better gosh this place is amazing and, <laughs> and
1: human nature is i want to oh, go yeah. somewhere new yep. i want to try something i haven't tried totally. before or that let me get there before someone yes. else yeah. and put it on instagram
3: yeah, yeah exactly i think that i think we were talking about it a little bit though this morning it's like it's our it's like our playlist now we can go back to like the albums we love to hear back in the day i saying i went to navarre this weekend and it was so rad is this like an amazing wine list all the vegetables were perfect so laid back and like i haven't been here in four years but you just you, you know you walk right in and, and you're you think, like this is the greatest I... place i know it's <laughs> opened I... up tomorrow it, it should
1: mean, re- there should be a way there should be an app to wipe it clean and make it a new restaurant with the same name, <laughs> and just here years. it is. <laughs> um, and you know that you think about it, big brands, and maybe you'll come to it too. But mm-hmm. you're, but you have such opportunities nationwide that in Portland you have different challenges mm-hmm. than I would imagine, or opportunities and challenges mm-hmm. than you have nationally. Absolutely. But maybe someday you'll have to do what Coke did, which was to fuck around with it and come up with classic coke and classic yeah. and screw around with it and classic just not vintage. realize that you got something good and deal with a little sales slip and sure. some and some competition yeah. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean that's you know the 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 lifespan of a business is crazy and you know you have to do what you have to do to keep going and remember your core values and what you got into it for but you know we're not afraid to change that would be horrible. Yeah, you have
1: had to. You have to. So if you could go back is there something What's the biggest thing you think you have learned in the business that if you go back, you would have done and your life, your business would be better now and your life would be better Um, because your business is your life?
3: Gosh, when I tell people to get into it, use a good lawyer. (laughs) You know, I instantly say that, you know, even what you think is very small have somebody that has a bigger picture look at your look at your plans. Even if you're going into a food cart with a business partner of any sort, make sure that you're both protected on a very even, honest, unbiased level because business can get ugly in a hurry if people are feeling underpaid or need more money, et cetera. So just make sure that you've got all your bases covered because you never know what it can grow into. And
1: yeah. that's challenging too because if you're a young business... No money. That, yeah, attorneys <laughs> are not just yes. a small little... But I
3: tell you it's worth it. You know, it's an attorney fee if to write up a business operating agreement is isn't the most expensive thing you're going to spend on. Spend the two K. And even if it's not, you just spend the two thousand write one up, a generic one, and then have a good lawyer that, you know, from somebody just quickly look at it and make any changes and just give you that protecting.
1: Is that everybody. a little bit like the prenup though? So this oh, you know, yeah, partner's so. going to look at it and say, well, like, well, if we well, feel like we need, we we need this. yeah, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> it is. But no I doubt. guess it, I guess, the the, the uh, idea would be if you get through that, mm-hmm. then you kind of know <laughs> what you're <laughs> dealing with.
3: Absolutely. It's the same exact conversation with a wedding a prenup.
1: Wow. Time is going fast. Mm-hmm. It is. When,
3: it's so much
1: fun. I had no idea. We need to do more parts of this. And I really would... Somehow we got to figure out how to do video where we do the run through the. We'll, we'll have to just
0: go through and not do a live. I I can come down. I can I can I can come through with my camera and mm-hmm. tape it yeah. out. Great. Yeah. I've got well, some videography I tried, skills.
1: I tried Facebook Live this morning. We had which him, lasted right? what 13 <laughs> seconds I
0: tried to watch it I was, I was actually sitting in the studio trying like what,
1: what's going on Well we lost connection right because there was you're, you're in a big, it big was building in, so what's the name of that room dry uh, boxes the dry box okay rooms, yeah. and just incredible so I'll have some photographs mm-hmm. uh, yeah. of that which we'll put up on uh, right at the forks website but um, that is an incredible facility and you do you walk in there every day you must because I can just tell you have the heart to do this mm-hmm and have total appreciation for without a doubt so describe how that feels (laughs) after you started as the only employee yeah and now just maybe describe what some of the facilities are that you've built and Mm -hmm. you're ready for growth in the future
3: yeah uh yeah i mean it's we pinch ourselves all the time the the guys that built this with me Polly and josh and raul and all those guys that have just been there forever We, we always will make jokes about when we used to do like 150 pounds and now it's like if we don't do that in under 15 minutes something's broken
1: and you've never hired a consultant you told me never just learned it yourself we do it all ourselves. okay yeah I mean we have had architects right right? okay you need those but (laughs) in terms of and you've had had assistance from equipment manufacturers exactly
3: good partnerships but never like a A consultant or an engineer or anything like that that would come in and say this is the way to do it you know you you walked into my steel shop and wood shop i mean we are very much so the nate tilden philosophy of if they can build it we can build it good enough (laughs) and get good at it and you know welding and cutting and all that stuff it just makes it a little bit you know more important and easier
1: and profitable, Absolutely. I would imagine, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. you know, you're That's, not paying somebody else to do it and so. you're in control and it's there. Yeah, and you're you not dealing done. with surprises.
3: Is, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, the, the biggest, for some reason, it's when I walk in there on a Friday after it's all cleaned up and nobody's in there and we have like, you know, gosh, last year I was averaging 35,000 pounds of salami hanging in my dry box for the majority of the year, and it's immaculate and cleaned, and the paperwork is put away, and it's just this big, beautiful meat plant. That's when I'm like, oh, how the hell did this even happen? Like, how did we actually produce 14,000 pounds of perfect sausage today? And then that's when it really gets like, ah, this
1: is so cool. And again, I would ask anybody listening to this to think back to what you were doing in 2009 and you were that's not. It. This did not. Ex- nothing existed. <laughs> no. Nope. And uh, just bigger. quickly, because I know this isn't your end of the business, but um, how big was the impact of uh, the Olympic National Committee giving you a hard time? Oh,
3: gosh, it was as close as we've ever been to going out of business. That's
1: just sure. because of that. A lot of
3: a lot of, a lot of even parts of my business partners and I've never gotten into an argument like we we work, work really well together and deciding on what to change our name was a very difficult task for us for some reason we all had our opinions which is did, very did
1: you have differences of opinion as to whether you should fight this or that was, how far you want to take so it
3: so that was pretty quick once our once our lawyers looked at it and they're like you do know it's an actual law it's not a trademark law you'd have to go to the senate
1: to fight this do you want to do that oh. Yeah, that's something you didn't have experience with in Salt Lake City, I don't No. Know.
0: Well, you, you know, when when the Olympics came in in 2002, because there's a good chunk of town oh, right. that's named, that had Olympic in its there's Olympic Diner by the radio station yeah. I was at. They, mm-hmm. Everybody had to change their name when the OLCC came in. I wish I would have known that. It was, yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> in fact, I think, I can't remember, I, I think when we had our conversation uh-huh. a few years back, I, I was actually in the back of my mind. I didn't say anything. I'm like, how are they getting away with this? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. because <laughs> you know we, we couldn't even do little jokey stunts Olympic parody bits on on the radio without yeah, getting phone calls from the Olympic lawyers I mean yeah. it's uh, well
1: it's, it's like un, the it's super, un... you can't say the Super Bowl right you have to call it the game right which is really insane. oh yeah that's horrible. You, you cannot put the Super Bowl in any anything if you're marketing if you're making money mm, right. from it, you cannot mm. re- refer to it as the Super Bowl well, it's a, the which game.
0: isn't which is unfortunate because the uh, oh, Olympic is just you know mm-hmm. it's it's been around for centuries yeah. not necessarily as the olympic games yeah though. and i mean we, we tried to tell them that, that you know we
3: hand wrote them a letter when they first sent it right we, they didn't care no it was hilarious we were like you know i am greek we kind of invented the word olympic right <laughs> you know we try to talk him into being like the salami's the size of a baton and your athletes could have a protein pack generated food you guys can use that and we'll just keep the name olympic and they were like you we need to talk to your lawyers and We're like, well, you're no fun <laughs>
1: uh, so do you have uh is there? Do you, can you quantify what that cost you in
3: in dollar figure? I don't know. I think we should have to chime in, but you know, I'd I'd have to say, because you had to redo the website and everything. I think it's probably a quarter million. You know.
1: So mm-hmm. is that what you were thinking about when you said get a good lawyer? Lo- one of the things you were one thinking of the about?
3: one of the things like you, you you just can't you just can't know it all. And there's people out there that know way more than you that'll save you a lot of money in the long run. Like if I would have used. A lawyer that would have known about trademarking or known about business structure, I would have probably been way better off and further on down the line but for that, But
1: like anything in life or in business, you can't know everything. There are going to be those things that cost you. Oh yeah. That are learning experiences mm-hmm. and you have to use them as such. And you pick your battles every day. You know, it's like, what do you, do you really want to go to
3: waste all this money to go fight the Olympic Committee when they're going to win or do you just adjust and think about making a better livelihood for There,
1: people? There might have been you know you can quantify as you said a quarter million or just mm-hmm. come up with a number but on the other hand there were some huge benefits because a lot of you got a lot of press from that totally yep. and you got a lot of people pulling for yeah. you, Portland you rallied, t- talk like, about talk probably. about what we were referencing before as you become a little ubiquitous over time and then yeah. <laughs> now you got something that were okay yeah. we're behind our our boys and yep. girls over here totally so, um, very cool. So, what are you excited about, either your personally or business-wise? So you can have your PR moment for the business, or just what's what's coming up in the next uh, year for you that, that's exciting you.
3: I'm really, really, really excited to start making beef and chicken sausages. That for the the business, what you know, I'm very. Excited to stop only make, not only make pork, but be able to get a little bit more diverse.
1: And when are we going to see that or taste uh, that?
3: The OP Worst has both the chicken and the beef sausages there now, and they will be finished in the next two weeks,
0: ready for
1: sale. Cool, Court. I know Court wants to know if you need testers done right. Court, oh, I the, well,
0: I, actually, I, re, I I've been to your place in, in Pine Tree Market, but mm-hmm. I just haven't been to the place out of Division, but. If yeah, if there's a job opening ever for a taster, <laughs> done.
1: I don't. I'm not <laughs> even looking for the job. I just like if you need someone to come taste. Right. Sure. It. Anytime. Anytime
0: you guys are looking
3: <laughs> Remember for a protein said that. No. So, anytime.
1: You know, so next time I'm searching around, where am I going to go? I'm just going to call me, text yeah. you up, and say, hey, can I eat? Yes, <laughs> no. is the answer always
3: in my
2: family? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, always. always.
1: Hey, thanks so much. This has been a long time coming. We're totally, in so nice. It's too long that we haven't had.